Hello, everyone. Welcome to the California Association of Tactical Officers podcast, where we discuss a variety of SWAT-related topics. We believe tactics are a science, and the art is in how we apply those tactics. My name is Marcus Sprague. And I'm Brent Stratton. Recently, Mitch and I sat down with Operation Enduring Warrior's Chris Thorpe. For those of you who are not familiar with Operation Enduring Warrior, it is a veteran-founded nonprofit dedicated to honoring, empowering, and motivating our nation's wounded military and law enforcement veterans. Chris was so moved by the need to help wounded law enforcement officers that he retired early and started the law enforcement branch of Operation Enduring Warrior. You may have met Chris or one of his partners at the last few Cato conferences. Chris is an intense guy, and he is not afraid to discuss some of the uncomfortable byproducts of our profession. What he has to say is important now more than ever. Please take a listen. I hope you leads the conversation as I did. Encourage that men like Chris throughout the country are dedicated to getting our wounded back up and moving. Hey everybody, Marcus is here and I'm here with Mitch Brule, the famous Mitch Brule. And we're talking with Chris Thor from Operation Enduring Warrior Task Force Sentinel. Chris, thanks for being here. And could you tell us a little bit about Operation Enduring Warrior, particularly the Task Force Sentinel and how you got involved? Yeah, thanks for having me here. I appreciate you guys taking the time to invite me over here to talk to you about it. Um, this is kind of a long story, and I will try to bring it down short, short and sweet on it. But the gist of it is, is for me personally, I started off doing low-level nursing I uh, was in the fire department. I went to paramedic school and through kind of fate, I wound up in law enforcement. And what I found out was dependent upon the uniform, dependent upon your duty at the time in a critical incident, you get treated completely different. So as a nurse, if I had somebody die in my uh, care, I literally cleaned the body for the mortician and waited till the body was picked up. If I was working as a medic EMT, uh, we ran a code and it wasn't, um, you know, uncommon to run three code blues back to back to back. You just kind of did what you did, got back right at it. As a fireman, hey, there was cake and pie back at the station before you got back. As a law enforcement officer, somebody dies in, in your custody. Uh, you get a microphone and a lawyer, you know, and, and we start talking about it. And then um, I'm not sure. I'm sure you remember it up here. There was a f- car accident that was fully involved in Windsor probably man, 12 years ago. And I was off duty and I ended up pulling a three-year-old child that had third degree burns off 90% on his 90% of his body out of the car. And I lost the other five that were in the, the car. I was off duty, uh, but I ended up getting the uh, gold medal of valor from the department, even though I was in civilian thing, uh, a civilian capacity, primarily because I was off duty. I was going to work. I had my cover jacket off and I took my cover jacket off to beat the flames out. And I kind of assumed incident command when everybody looked at me and saw the patches. Um, but I found everything changed the way I was treated incumbent upon the uniform and not to, not to cheapen what I'm about to say in any way, shape or form, because it's not the same, but I got a really good indication of what racism might feel like because I wasn't judged on the content of my character or the, the intent of my actions. I was judged on my uniform and what I was supposed to be doing at the time 
again, you know, nurse, nah, medic, you do it again, law enforcement officer, what'd you do wrong? And that really, really bothered me. And what happened was I ended up becoming so frustrated with that and watching the incident unfold in Dallas on 7-7 in 2016 when the five officers were killed that I ended up creating a patch, a memorial patch for the officers. And I uh, created it, sold it, and sent uh, a fair amount of money to the uh, officers' families, which got me thinking, because the response was pretty well, how do how can I affect a better change? And what I what I did was I created the patch you saw in the patch I gave Mitch was the thin blue line patch on a black background with white lettering that said thank you, simple simple thank you. And the concept for me was that this was a token gift to a law enforcement officer that and I don't give them out to to anybody else. Uh, they have to purchase them. And the reason behind the purchase was is that modicum amount of money that they purchased the patch for represents a portion of their life that they have to give in, you know, give an exchange for the money to give to me to purchase the patch. So that patch represents moments in their life. And then they interact with the officer, they give the officer the patch. And that's a symbolic gesture to say, you put your life on the line all the time for me. Here are a couple moments of my life to show you gratitude. And the, the concept isn't the patch, ex- the, the concept isn't the patch so much as it is the exchange because I ha- they have to walk up and literally say thank you, literally engage. And the concept for me was to get them to engage and chat. And so they walk off, they give the officer the patch. And one day when the officer's having a bad day, things are going bad. Hopefully they look down and see that couple pennies of thread and re- realize somebody actually took the time to say thank you. You know, it's just, it's just quick little interaction. So in 2017, yeah, probably maybe 16, it's been a while. Um, I drove from North Carolina across the United States to here, Santa Rosa, California. And, um, I stopped and handed out those patches to every law enforcement officer I could find. And what I found was really surprising. I would walk up, I would introduce myself. I had a shirt that was very law enforcement oriented, looked law enforcement, you know, I had the, the thin blue line, had a flag on the, on the sleeve. I introduced myself as a law enforcement officer and said, I am here as a civilian to engage with you and say, thank you. And this is what I'm doing. And I would hand them the patch. And one of two things would happen. They would either shove it in their, look at it, flip it in their fingers, shove it in their pocket and walk off. Or they would take it and flip it in their fingers and try and figure out what it was. It just, they couldn't, they couldn't grasp it. They couldn't understand it. And they would do that. And then all of a sudden it would click. And then all of a sudden, oh, wow, wow, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we'd engage in conversation. And I did that for, what, 4,000 miles, plus or minus? And I had all sorts of interactions. I, I stopped in, I don't want to front them out, but it was Winnemucca in Nevada. And I, I walk up and I tell the lady, hey, I'm here. And, oh, nobody's available to talk. Nobody's available to talk. And I hand her a bunch of patches. And before I can get back to my vehicle, the chief is chasing me down. He wants to talk about it. Say, hey, yeah, 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 this is, wow, 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 this is awesome. But, you know, when I was just the civilian and they didn't understand what I wanted, it was hands off. I even walked into one department. I had a bag of the patches and lesson learned. Hey, is there anybody I can speak to? A chief, sergeant, lieutenant, captain, anybody here I can talk to? Yeah, what can I do for you? Oh, I've got something for them. And I hold up a bag. 
<laughs> right. Ex- exactly. She backed up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Tell me about time. He pulled the patches out. But it was, yeah, it was just, it was just very much um, obvious that, that nobody really knew how to take the gratitude. It was, it was such a novel concept to everybody that it, it took them a little while to really process it. So fast forward, I did that. Um, I ended up creating other patches for firefighters, medics, nurses, military, just to kind of engage the concept. Uh, but I wanted more. I thought that there was, that this is awesome that we're engaging the public with law enforcement and we're getting some conversations going and people are reaching out. But there's got to be something more. There's got to be something more with this. And I'm looking at how we're failing ourselves in a lot of ways. Um, you know, the thin blue line, welcome to the family. I got your six. Everybody says it, but a lot of times I saw over the past that a lot of officers just felt that it wasn't upheld. It, it, it was something said uh, during swearing. It was something said in briefing. It was something said when everything was good, but when things went bad, it wasn't there. So I looked around, talked to some people, and I, I really wanted to do something physical. And I found Operation Enduring Warrior. And what Operation Enduring Warrior is strictly a military vet veterans organization matter of fact the history is it was born on september 12th 2001 the day after when those everything started that's when the need started and what these guys did was phenomenal because they walked into walter reed hospital and started talking to those guys these guys that are sitting there with traumatic injuries massive brain injuries massive issues, you know, blindness, amputation, multiple limb loss. And they said, what do you need to get back re-engaged? And they started taking these guys out and doing things. They take them out on adventure therapy, essentially. They take them skydiving, uh, hiking, whatever they could do to get these guys engaged. Like, hey, you are not done. Yes, you've got an injury but you are not finished and we're not going to let you be finished. So they started doing this and I, I followed them. And essentially what happened is I contacted a couple people and it kind of let them know what I wanted to do. And I ended up talking to some people in the, in the organization and told them what I wanted to do. And originally they kind of said, yeah, go ahead. You can do it. Um, and it was not going to be too much. And then we kind of started parted our ways and we didn't talk uh, within two months the president of the organization called me while I was at work and said that they wanted, they, they saw the value, they saw the need, and they wanted to create a law enforcement division to sister, a sister organization to this, whereas we would have the military side and the law enforcement side, and I was fortunate enough to be able to uh, become a program manager in it. So I ended up going home and talking to my, my wife about what I needed to be able to do to do this because my first eligible, my first retirement eligibility date had just passed. So I'm 49, I wasn't 50, and the money met, just slightly exceeded, but met what the bare minimum of what we needed to do and what the expectations for, for us financially to do this were. So within two weeks, I was retired in order to do this because I felt that it had, had to be done. And I left early, I, I took a lower retirement check for the rest of my life in order to make sure that this got done. Um, so at this point in time, we have these two organizations, 
We have Operation Enduring Warrior, which essentially is the military side. And then we have Task Force Sentinel, which is the law enforcement division. And I am the program manager nationally for the law enforcement division. So, yeah. Sounds like you put your money where your mouth is. Um, Hey, what else are you going to do? You know, if you don't, if you're not going to, if you're, when it comes to somebody's lives, you know, um, each one of us has told somebody, I got your back. And if they call for, for backup, we're there without a second thought. However, it seems to me that we, outside of an emergency situation, um, when somebody calls for backup, we kind of fail a little bit. We miss those opportunities. I think we don't see them. I think we, we spend a lot of our life at this level where we're looking for this big, for us, it's a, a code three response, a shots fired and all that, right? Mm-hmm. But we neglect the damage of everything else. Yeah. And so, like you said, uh, I've got your back when it's this big thing, but as soon as things get a little sketchy, things get a little real, like, well, wait a minute, what's this mean for me? Right. And we don't, that brotherhood is there sometimes and sometimes it's not. Sometimes and in our profession, uh, I would say that's that's weaker than it's been maybe 10, 15 years ago. Okay. I can't tell you why. Yeah, I don't know. Well, um, who knows? That not even for me to say, but but I, I agree. And, and and look at the we talked uh, this year. Look at the officer deaths that we have, mm-hmm. and uh, we're we're doubling our suicide rates. Uh, not to mention our alcoholism, drug abuse, divorce rate, and then. The statistics that we don't track, the people who leave the job early and then their life unravels. Right. Multiple yeah. marriages and all the other oh, yeah. issues that oh, yeah. we all have. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I, you know, the whole um, multiple marriage, this, that, that quintessential stereotype. A lot of the guys, I, I'm on number three and I'm not happy about that, but I am. I, I, I don't know if it was because. I got bad skills and picking people. Bad picker. A bad picker. Yeah, it's broken. It's busted. Or and, and how much of it plays into the job. But I, I, I'm I'm well. Yeah, no, I'm well within that bell curve and that statistic. And it, it's not good and it, it hurts and I hate it. And but it is what it is. And you make the best of it. You know, you stay engaged and do your best, the best you can. So um, if you if you read here on this pamphlet um, that you provided. Uh, so Operation Enduring Warrior, it's a veteran-founded nonprofit, 501c3. The honor, the mission is to honor, empower, and motivate our nation's wounded military and law enforcement veterans through physical, mental, and emotional rehabilitation. Programs include and help participants overcome adversity, hardship, um, teamwork, and perseverance. Ultimately enables the lives of our wounded military and public servants veterans to go in the directions that may have once thought were impossible. And I think what happens is, is when you have a veteran or a law enforcement officer who is maybe injured in the line of duty or in war, they may think that their lives are going to be over and not going to be able to do some of the things that they were able to do in the past. And what your organization does, it allows them to have almost like a little bit of like normal or getting back to the things that they miss out on that they didn't think they would ever be able to do again. Yes. Um, I like to think of it essentially as, as a suicide prevention program, although, I mean, maybe at its core, that's kind of what it is, but what it is, is it's, we're going to take that brotherhood that we've all talked and bought into and, and pledged to, 
and make sure it applies in and out of uniform, on and off duty, in sickness and in health, better or poor, you know, the whole thing that we, we all pledge. And I'm not going to let my brother or sister get in a bad situation, and I'm not going to let them marinate on the couch and wallow in their frustration and depression and let them spiral out of control when all I have to do is show up. I, we don't have to go and go skydiving. We don't have to go and go scuba diving or ascend some massive cliff. The, 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 the magic is in the fact that somebody showed up yeah. in the first place. So speaking about that, so the people that do show up, how, who are they and how do they get involved? So this is these are some of the greatest people I've ever met, and I, I, I want, it's saying a lot because we're one hundred percent volunteer. Nobody makes a dime. None of us get paid a dime. And like I said, I volunteered early and left money on the table, and I'm not compensated for anything I do, and I don't want to be, because then it says I'm not there for the right reason. So we are 100% volunteer. We're 100% donation driven. We're not selling things. We're not out doing anything. We just kind of go out and solicit some donations to try and get the stuff done for the right reason and appeal to people's, you know, like you guys. Like, hey, that's my brother and sister. That could be you. We could be having this conversation in 90 days to five years from now because you guys had an incident. We're very much uh, often can be the army that shoots our own wounded exactly oh the, the blue on blue i don't oh, know yeah. what's going on with you but i don't want to catch it right it's like well it's not catchy man right. i need you right you know you yeah you know me yeah we, we we sat next to each other in the graveyard patrol car we, <laughs> yeah. we watched each other's kids be born we've, we've been through each other's divorces and then boom we've been through each other's car crashes right we competed in promotions together and now all of a sudden i'm having trouble and i can't admit it and I'm contagious. And you're not going to help me, and I'm contagious. Right. And that's the that's the the worst thing we can do. No, that's that's literally you know almost friendly fire, because we're we're, we're it's not legitimately a you know weapon oriented, but we're 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 dissing ourselves and leaving them out out to dry, even though it's a lot of it's unintended. It's whether it's naivete, everybody's so busy, we just we kind of forget. So what on this to go back to your question is. Almost everybody in this in, in this organization is broken. We've all been there. Everybody has been there on one level or another. Otherwise, why would you do it? Why would you be sacrificing your time, your money, all of this for somebody that you don't know, that you only all you have in common is a career and, and that mindset? And we're, we're, we're doing this every weekend, every day, because we want to make sure nobody ever goes to where we went. So we've got a lot of guys that will tell you stories that they were polysubstance addicted, suicidal, suicide attempts, um, number of divorces, um, broken families. You name it. We've all been there. And that's why we do it. And we all gravitate to this because we've been there. We see it. We find this organization. And I have never seen a more welcoming group of people. 
period. And, you know, and I know there's a lot of organizations, a lot of people say this about, but I have never seen a group so dedicated and open to saying, I'm here for you. You're my brother. You're my sister. We're here uh, than, than these guys. And, and like I said, a lot of them have, we have a lot of amputees that are on our organization. And the reason they're in the organization is they were made honorees at one point. And well, now we, they're we, giving back. Yeah, we all we ask in return is that you pay it forward. Well, not to mention it with that, it's part of the healing. Yeah, you know, it's part of the healing for yeah. the ones that are broken. For us that you know feel that way. How many how many volunteers would you say Operation Enduring Warrior may have on staff? Is there can you even staff? Oh, you know, I'm going to do some quick math. So with titles, let's say 2025 okay. nationally. But we have what we call um, community ambassadors, or OCAs is, is the term. The beauty of it is everybody's an OCA. I'm a community ambassador even though I'm a program manager, as much as the president is a community ambassador because he's part of the organization, as the person that we just met today that just signed up, that we're dealing with the first time, like, hey, welcome to the family. You're now a community ambassador. We're all community ambassadors. And for our organization, we all like stories, right? We all like to hear, you know, debriefs and those type of things. Yeah. Is there a something since you've been part of this organization that that you would uh, like to call a success story or something that really maybe touched you in a way where that you could share with our audience? Yeah, there's there's actually two, and neither of them have specifically anything to do with the honorees, which are our wounded veterans and law enforcement officers when they. When we find out who they are, they apply. We make them apply because they have to. They have to take some steps. Hey, this is not a freebie, man. You got to do the work. Um, so they apply. They get uh, vetted, military through the DD two fourteen law enforcement. I do, and some of my partners. We do many backgrounds. We do some investigations. We just talk to them and kind of get a sense to make sure we're everybody's on the up and up. There's there's no major issues that we're going to have to go back and explain later on. Um, so those are honorees, but the, the two stories for me that really stood out and made me realize what's going on is that we did a uh, Spartan race in Sacramento back in November. So we had three honorees. One was a uh, Stockton law enforcement officer who, paraplegic, um, I believe a motorcycle accident. So he's in a wheelchair. And we're up um, up in the hills. So it's, it's pretty mountainous terrain. And I think it was about a eight-mile Spartan, Spartan race and 20-something obstacle. 20, yeah. I mean, it was pretty significant. Uh, we had him. We had a uh, military veteran, a young lady, probably about 23. She was in a horse accident. She was out riding her horse. For some reason, the horse got spooked and she got hit by a train. Lost both her legs. And the only reason she survived was the, the horse landed on her legs and he essentially acted as, a, you know, a tourniquet on both legs. And, yeah, so the horse, unfortunately, the horse's death saved her life, but, but she was there. And then we had another gentleman, um, PJ, who was a New Mexico officer who was shot in the line of duty, um, ended up killing, returning fire and killing his suspect. Um, so we, we brought them all out. And the beauty of this is we fly, we pay for it all. So PJ's in Colorado, uh, Clarice is in San Diego, and James is in Stockton. So we're in Sacramento. 
So we don't have a big, you know, it's not a big thing, but we brought people from all, we brought people all the way from Florida for this. Um, Washington, D.C., a couple of other of our staff. So they, they all flew out and we bring them all out. And the beauty of it is we also bring their family. So PJ brought his wife and his son. So his son got to see him doing this. His wife got to see him doing this. Um, James's family was um, there. Clarice came by herself. But we so we had all these people. So so back to the moment was we're out here and we have our OCAs as I mentioned it. And one of the OCAs that we have is a young lady who is an amputee, a at the hip amputee from a car accident years ago. So she's not our honoree. She's just kind of a person that's with us. So we take all these, this group out out on the uh, course. And what happens is when the first group finishes, they turn around and they go back and get the other group. And when that group finishes, they turn around and go get the other group. So as part of our thing, we have what we call our masked athlete teams. And these are the guys that are on the course doing the hands-on work with our honorees. They're trained to deal with this. We practice it. And in order to be a masked, a masked athlete team, they're in the Avon 50 gas mask. So they're sucking wind. What does that drop your lung capacity down? What, 30% plus? Yeah, exactly. Right. So these guys mask up, and we don't go by names. Once we mask up, we go by call signs because we are faceless and anonymous. So we go on the course. The onus, everybody sees the honoree. We get zero recognition. When we mask up, we go, you know, somewhere else, mask up, come out. We do our thing, and then once we're done, we go back, take our masks off, and then we go back by our names. So we got all of our honorees back, and these guys are in a mask because we never know how long this is going to take. They could be in their mask. The seal doesn't get broken once it goes on. So it's an unknown distance, unknown time, unknown weather conditions when we go into it. These guys could be there for a long time in some really heinous weather and some really screwed up terrain. And, and, you also, and you also um, tint the mask. So tint the mask, yeah, no face. face, no recognition. No, absolutely zero recognition. It's not about them. It's about no, the absolutely. No. what it is, right? Yeah. So so we went back. We got all honorees. Well, our OCA, the, the amputee, was still out on the course. So they all turned around after the first team went back out twice, the second, you know, to get everybody back. Everybody went back and brought her in. We had no responsibility here other than she was just with us. And everybody went back and got her. That's what it's about. You yeah. take care you take care of your family. That's your family. Yeah. Tight knit family. Yeah. So we went back and got her. So the other one, we had an honoree, a gentleman out of Indiana who was shot in the line of duty, uh, some pretty severe PTSD issues. And he was with a lady who had some severe PTSD issues of her own, so some some different things. And we brought him on, and he was one of our honorees, and we brought her out with him and her kids um, to an event and got to know them and helped him out and whatnot. Consequently, they broke up. It happens. What, to me, what really sold that what we're doing is right is they broke up. And inevitably, she reached out to me because she was having a bad day. She trusted me and the organization enough to reach out that we were not going to separate ourselves from her simply because she was no longer in a relationship with our honoree. But she knew that she was in the family. Um, we're still in the family. 
I would say I talk to our honorees probably every day. Um, I'm texting one or two of them every day. Just, hi, how you doing? What's going on? Tell me about your day. Hi, you know. There was uh, one of the guys that I was working with. He's not an honoree, but I was texting him every day for months. Just checking in. Just checking I just want a response, man. I don't care what you tell me. Give me a thumbs up. Tell me, tell me, give me the middle finger. I don't care. But I want you to understand when you're ready, we're we're here. here. Well, and that's what it is. It's another outlet for us, you know, especially with, you know, the the push to ensure the wellness of our law enforcement officers and our military. And now with Operation Enduring Warrior, it's another avenue or another resource that we can reach out and ask for help. Okay, so let me ask you this. I'm going to flip this a little bit on you. You've been doing this how long, Marcus? 22 years. Okay. And you've been doing how long? 18. Okay. And several marriages. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I mean, yeah, yeah. So what do you know that's out there that's like this? With 22 and 18 years combined experience? Nothing. There's nothing like this, and and I'll tell you why. There's, there's things you can do to get help. There's, uh, you're not, uh, in my experience, people are not, they're going to look to their brothers and sisters that they work with, maybe, but they're more inclined to, to look for someone else that they identify with that mm-hmm. is not in their circle. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, in my opinion, is anything that you can do to get people moving, get them physical, get them out there, talking to Alex, yeah, surfing, going hunting, going hiking, whatever it is that you do, get a physical goal and get yourself moving. Okay. You get see the sun, see the outside, mm-hmm. get a network of support, mm-hmm. and every day just move forward. Right. And this is and this is badass. You know, no, I appreciate not, that, man. No, I, I do. Thank you. And, and thank you're not. You're, it's not the 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 touchy feely psychology of trying to get yourself better and do these type of things. This is you're actually <laughs> going out there and you're physically. You may not have the capabilities, but you're getting back out there and doing something and to have the support and the gas mask with the black faces and all those type of things and and the anatomy of it. Like that's all to honor those honorees because they, they're truly the ones that gave the ultimate sacrifice. They did. And before we we're running out of time, but I want to talk real quick about when people want to get involved. So you guys are at the Cato conference back in 2018, maybe 18 and 19. Yeah. And, uh, an 18 Cato guy comes up, checks it out, is like, dude, this is amazing. I want to be involved. Yep. He spends. You're talking about Justin. Yeah. yeah Justin's spending a year. Yep. Prepping. Grinding and prepping on this thing. Prepping. Let's talk a little bit about that because Justin, uh, I didn't know about that. Justin talked to me about it a few times and it was pretty legit. This yeah. is no, uh, hey, can I come by in the soccer van and hope things work out for me deal. You, you're, no. it's a commitment. It is a commitment. Now, Justin tried out for a mass athlete team. Now, to do that, you you have to go through a couple steps. Uh, one of them is a getting to know you phase. They ask you to do some modicum fundraising just because they want to get you. Hey, are you are you going to bounce out? You know, once you got to actually, hey, you got to do something. You got to bounce out. Sure. Um, but then what they have to go go through is about a thirty six hour endurance event, on par with Seal Hell Week. I mean, those guys are just going to grind you. They're going to push you. They're going to break you. And the rationale behind that is they got to know when that mask goes on, that seal is not going to be broken independent of how you feel. 
because you, you, you violate the trust and the integrity and everything we're doing for that honoree. If you decide you're tired and you take that mask off, I'm too hot. I want to eat. No, you don't because that goes on. It stays on until the mission is over and the mission isn't over until everybody's home safe. Yeah. Done. So they, they, he, yeah. So he's still in doing, he has not finished that process. Uh, he's, uh, he goes through his, what we call in doc, the phase, um, I want to say they're, they're gearing for July. So we met him in November of 18 and he's going to do his 36 hour event probably July of 2020. And is he doing that? So they doing it in a ruck. Yeah. So they, it's like a ruck in the mountains of North Carolina or somewhere. Or, where uh, you do it, or does it depend on where uh, we have, we've had different facilities. I'm not going to stay. I'm not, it's an organization called Warx. I can't remember the location. I want to say it's, the Carolinas, it might not be because I can't remember offhand, but they have just partnered with us and allowed us to have all of our indoct teaser facilities. Yeah, but yeah, it's in a ruck. It's uh, using log weight, sandbags. With your mask. With the mask. With the mask. The whole time. The whole, uh, 99% of it probably. Yeah. 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 It's a lot. It's a lot, man. And you, you never know what the weather's going to be like. He was telling me he's, uh, he takes his kid to soccer practice, then he throws his mask on, puts on a ruck full of weights and yeah. he just jogs just around goes. the track for an hour and a half with his mask on and everyone's like what are you doing dude well that's the point <laughs> no that's the point is 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 this is not going to be one of those things that the average person's going to understand yeah it yeah. takes some commitment no. man yeah and it's pretty impressive yeah oh no it, it's 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 pretty awesome so let's uh let's wrap up a little bit because uh we want to highlight this uh again at the Cato conference uh coming up and we want to get this out to our membership. This is a, a worthy cause for the military veterans as well as uh, as police officers. And uh, let's talk a little bit, Mitch, if you would, about uh, Chris's contact information, where we can learn more about. Yeah, so uh, for if you guys are out there and you want to be part of Operation Enduring Warrior, there's a couple of ways you can reach out to them. Of course, on social media, on Facebook, it's Operation Enduring Warrior group is task force sentinel at instagram it's at operation enduring warrior twitter at enduring warrior and then at youtube operation enduring warrior chris uh it's an amazing to have this opportunity to sit down with you and, and hear how you got involved in the level of commitment you made to this before you really truly there was something that called you to be part of this and you know to have people like you in this world that look out for people like us it's uh you know, I, I really appreciate you being with us and sharing the story with us. And I'm glad you're part of the, you know, Cato and, and, and we can support you at the conference. Uh, we look forward to you having coming in 2020. Uh, but thanks, man. Like it, I, you can't put into words what the life's this program probably has changed. OK, so with that, I'm going to be in touch with you two guys. And as soon as we get something local, I want you to come out so you can see it firsthand. Because we can sit here and talk about it all the time. But I want you to see what we do. Um, help us to help these guys. And then you you talk to those guys. You ask those guys. Because we've had a, I've sat down a couple of these guys, and they've said they've had people reach out to them. And I'm not going to name names because there's a bunch of different organizations. But what I've been told is you guys are the only ones to back it up. I'd be well, I, would, I mean, I, I mean and I, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to toot horns. It's just... That's what they're telling me, which means something is getting done right where other places it's getting missed. Whatever that magic recipe is that 
that's happening. Well, you can't hide commitment when you're in an endurance race wearing a gas mask. That's true. You can't back and out. you're carrying no, a guy right. that's missing his legs. You're right. That's, you're, and there's that's, that's no valid. question. No question about that. That's not a, uh, you that, know, you know right. that, that that guy or gal that's wearing that uniform, you can't see their face is gutting you know it, it sucks. out. It sucks. They're gutting it out. And, and that's, that's the point. You, you don't forget that. No, that's the point. And when you feel yeah. sorry for yourself, you look over at those people that are there to support you. And they're not for them. And they're yeah. with you, bleeding with mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And because of that, you get that credibility. There's no, you can't no, earn no, I, that. I, you can't buy that. You know what? That's I what hadn't, I hadn't thought of it quite like that, but that makes absolute sense. And it's what we tell them is one of the reasons we wear the mask is it sucks for us too. It sucks, but we get to take it off. And right. we, we, you, you, you don't get to, you have to live this. We, we, we're stepping into your world for the yeah. duration. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Thank you, man. I appreciate oh, your time. Thank you, man. Check you them out, everybody. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Cato Podcast. To become a member of Cato, check out our website at catonews.org. If you have a topic suggestion, please send them to podcast at catonews.org. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend and rate us on the platform of your choice.